Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. After their first shutout loss in 13 years in Seattle last week, our beloved return home to Soldier Field, looking to get into the win column as they play host to the 2-1 Oakland Raiders on Sunday. Can the Bears get that first W of the Fox era, or will the long wait continue? Ron Rugg from Footballers America joins us on the Week 4 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. So week four is finally here. When the schedule came out back in April, after looking at Green Bay and Arizona and Seattle to start with, we were all looking at Oakland coming to Chicago week four as quite possibly our best opportunity to get our first win of the year. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back the week four preview episode of the Chicago Bears review and. Um, as I've stated a couple of times, I was not able to secure a guest from the quote-unquote Raider Nation to come on and talk about their football team with me. So I had to go into the bullpen and call in Ron Rugg from Football is America to join us on the show, and we talked some Raiders and Bears. It turned out to be mostly Bears, but hey, it's a Bears show, so that's fine. You know what I mean? Uh, but we do have to look forward to uh, Seth Keeser next week uh, from SB Nation's uh, Chiefs page, which Arrowhead something? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm forgetting at the moment. That's that's bad on me. But uh, he'll be on the show next week to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Bears butting heads in Arrowhead next Sunday. So we will have a guest on the show once again, uh, representing their team, I should say, next week. Had a real good talk with, uh, with Ron, so I'm going to keep things short because we did go for about uh, – 40 minutes or so so i'll try to keep this this portion short put monday's show out before the excitement of the trades for uh jared allen and john bostic took place so this is my first opportunity to talk about them and how i feel about it um i feel a lot better about the jared allen trade than i do uh the john bostic uh trade jared allen was out of position he was way too expensive and um, not as productive as we needed him to be. So now he's, he's he's at a place that's a better fit for him. He gets to put his hand back down on the ground as a 4-3 defensive end as opposed to trying to learn how to be a 3-4 outside linebacker in the 12th or 13th year uh, of his career. So it was just one of those things that unfortunately did not 
uh, work out. Uh, I still like Jared Allen as a football player, and I hope he does well uh, in Carolina, especially since Carolina is nowhere any no, nowhere on our schedule in 2015. So, uh, you know, all the best to, uh, to him and the Panthers, and I hope they continue uh, to do well uh, for his sake because he went from an 0-3 team that is being <laughs> – is being heralded as the worst team in football right now ranked 32 in power rankings pretty much across the board now which is kind of depressing to being on a 3-0 and carolina panther team which granted the panthers aren't exactly blowing up anybody's skirt right now but they're 3-0 and so that means something especially in the afc south or excuse me the nfc south which is not the most competitive division in football uh these days the John Bostic trade, I get it. He's This is his third year uh, in the league. He's been kind of injury prone. He hasn't been on the field enough to um, uh, prove himself. Um, but, uh, you know, he's he's only a third-year guy. And, uh, you know, I feel like just um, we might be giving up on him just a little bit too soon. And for the love of God, did we have to send him to New England where he's, you know, obviously we don't play New England again until 2018. But, uh you know, I just feel like this, it just, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to be watching John Bostic highlights going on because now he's in this new scenery. He's, you know, he's in New England. He's going to be doing things. He's going to be a freaking all pro now that the Bears are getting rid of him. Uh, in return for these two players, the Bears got sixth round draft choices uh, out of both of them for Bostic and Allen. And that gives us three six rounders to go into the draft uh, next season uh, we currently don't have a seventh round pick because he traded for Kari Lee uh, the tight end from the uh, Houston Texans so uh, but something tells me that we're really not going to use those picks that uh, Ryan Pace would probably do something you know probably like in the in the in the later you know second or third day of the draft next year to you know package those two extra six round picks to to move up into the fifth round or the fourth round or something like that to maybe snag somebody up but this is what you this is what you have to have in order to do things like that. You have to have the currency to be able to make moves in the draft and Ryan Pace is setting himself up well uh to do that. So the other thing is this may not be the last move that we see from Ryan Pace uh and the Bears. I mean, the the trade deadline is week 8 now. And I would expect that if the Bears are going to make some moves Week number seven, our bye week, is the week that you're going to see it happen. So after that game against the Detroit Lions, week number six, take a picture of the guys wearing the uniforms because it it might look like a completely different football team two weeks later when we take the field against uh, Minnesota on November the 1st in week eight. So, um, you know, with the, the trade deadline being week number eight, us having that week off week seven that might be the interesting week that you start seeing some moves because people like Alshon Jeffrey and Matt Forte have been rumored and I really wouldn't give up on the possibility of somebody like Martellus Bennett or somebody like that being moved either I mean I think Ryan Pace and John Fox are not messing around when they're trying to get this uh, rebuilding project uh, underway and you know as as patient as I believe that they are prepared to be I also think that they want to get this, get the wheels in motion as quickly as humanly possible. So buckle up, folks. 2015 has definitely shaped up to be that year where it gets worse before it gets better. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Also, with this move, the Bears are poised right now. 
they have about I think I read 37 players under contract going into 2015 for a cap year that's supposed to be increased to 155 million. The Bears have somewhere in the in the neighborhood of 60 million dollars in cap space going into 2016. So, but looking at the model that Ryan Pace is, is kind of putting into place doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be players for the top line free agents but it does put us in a position to go out and make some serious moves uh for some people you know this is where uh, ryan pace is going to earn his money in that 2015 slash 16 off season going into year number two uh, of his of his uh regime and um you know as they say about rookies in the league the biggest leap that you'll see is from year one to year two Hopefully that's the case for GMs as well, and we see a big leap between year one and year two, and the Bears make some progress. So, because we're we're setting ourselves up not necessarily to fail in 2015, but you know I got a feeling that you know nobody's hitting the gas pedal on the rebuilding thing. There's no pressure to win in 2015. The the pressure is to improve, and that's actually despite our 0 3 record, we have seen improvement already just in the overall attitude of the football team and you'll hear ron and i talk about that uh for a bit uh during the preview segment as well so it's uh you know interesting to 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 have seen those moves jared allen and john bostick would not have been high on my list of guys that uh, i would expect to have seen traded uh this week but um you know interesting guys that uh, we did get some value for and um you know I wish him the best, and, you know, especially since neither one of those guys is on our schedule uh, this year. You know, may they play lights out for the rest of the season and then crash and burn whenever they play against the Bears. So, um, you know, good luck to Bostic and uh, Allen. Off to greener pastures. Both of them go to undefeated teams, and John Bostic uh, gets to, uh, you know, play for the defending Super Bowl champions and, and see what it's like to play on an organization like that, which is, you know, quite honestly, the franchise uh, in the league uh, right now, despite their reputation. Uh, on the injury side of things, I sent a tweet to Jeff Dickerson wanting to know if he could tell me or if he knew or if he heard or what the situation uh, might be. Uh, and actually, you know what? He just got back to me because I was asking him, you know, with with the rumors of, or well, actually it's not necessarily rumors, but Cutler has been practicing this week in limited uh, in limited action, but he's been practicing yesterday and today. He practiced, and when they when asked by the media if he thought he would play if the game was today, he said maybe. So I asked Jeff Dickerson. I said, "Hey Jeff, are the Bears going to pull the okie doke on us and distract us with Clawson and Cutler, then put Fails out there on Sunday? Is there any hint of that happening?" And he replied. Boy, that would be something. I don't think so. Cutler and Clawson are taking all the practice reps. So this is a guy who spends practice at Hallis Hall, so he would know. So thanks so thanks a lot, Jeff, for getting back to me. Uh, I really appreciate it. So, But there you have it. I mean, I, I, that's what kind of got me thinking with this, as, as weird as John Fox has been with the whole injury thing up to this point. Wouldn't that be something if all week long they're like, hey, look over here. Jay Cutler is practicing. Jimmy Clausen is taking reps. And then Sunday, David Fales walks out there to take the first snap against the uh, Raiders uh, on Sunday. So, But according to Jeff Dickerson, he doesn't think it's going to happen because Cutler and Clausen have been taking the reps uh, in practice this week. Uh, 
Uh, in other injury news, uh, Pat O'Donnell, <laughs> this is my favorite thing. This might be my favorite thing of the season so far. Pat O'Donnell injured his knee on Sunday uh, against the Seahawks. Now, it's not funny that he injured himself, but basically that the theory is that he punted himself into an injury on Sunday. Ten punts on Sunday. The guy earned it. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, the Bears had uh, worked out free agent punter Spencer Lanning and Steve Weatherford uh, on Thursday to prepare for, you know, a contingency plan if um, Pat O'Donnell uh, can't go uh, on Sunday. Uh, but the, um, you know, but he he did return to practice in limited fashion. That's a good sign that he might be ready to go uh, on Sunday. The other real concern has got to be at left tackle. Jermont Bushrod left the game on Sunday with uh, against the Seahawks with a concussion and sat out again Thursday, did not practice at all. Um, Alshon Jeffrey still nursing a hamstring injury. Um, Ego Ferguson, Jeremiah Ratliff, who is back now. Jeremiah Ratliff is back. And Will Sutton and Alan Ball were all limited in practice uh, on Thursday. So Bushrod is out, which at the moment would mean that uh, Charles Leno Jr. would be our starting left tackle, or at least that's who it was in Seattle. So I don't know if the Bears are going to do any reshuffling uh, in that uh, in that area and or anything like that. I, I doubt very much that they would move Kyle Long over to left tackle after you know him just getting his feet underneath him literally uh, at the right tackle uh, position. They'll probably put uh, Leno back there. Hey, maybe they even give uh, Teo Fabaluje a shot out there uh, as well if, if things don't go well for him. So keep your eyes open uh, in that uh, in that aspect. So um, not much more to to talk about as far as news uh, is concerned. It was mainly those trades uh, that took place on Monday. Uh, like I said, I recorded the show Monday morning before I, I went to work and posted it Monday night when I got back. And the trades took place Monday afternoon, so I didn't have time to uh, uh, get uh, get my reaction to those trades out there for the uh, review episode uh, on Monday afternoon. So, um, so here's me saying it now. Uh, I I don't hate it. I don't exactly love it. Like I said, I like the Allen move more than the Bostic move, but you can definitely see why both of them or why Ryan Pace felt that they were necessary. I do like that Pace is being active. He's kind of striking while the iron is hot. The Panthers were de- need or in need of a pass rushing help, really missing Greg Hardy not being on the team anymore. The Patriots kind of seem to have a revolving door uh, of linebackers. I mean, heck, we just we just traded him. Ryan Groy, well, he was a, but they traded us one of their linebackers. So I guess they're really just trying to find the right people to fit in those spots for them and, and just haven't been able to find the right combo yet and hoping that our former second-round draft choice will uh, will be the answer uh, to them. So, But that's it. Uh, I think that's about it that I have for the, uh, for the preview. Uh, looking forward to this game uh, on Sunday. And, um, you know, like I said, couldn't find anybody from Raider Nation to join me, so I had our, my good friend Ron Rugg from the Football is America podcast, which I do take part in. Uh, I, I've, uh, the last couple of weeks I've been on the – on the review episodes, uh, they record them, we, I guess I should say, we record them right after uh, the Monday night games, uh, every Monday night, and talk about all 16 games. And this week we'll, we'll get somewhat of a break. There'll be 15 games instead of 16 because there's a bye week uh, this week. Um, but talk about them from top to bottom and, uh, you know, be thorough. And uh, Kyle is a character and Ron's trying to wrangle us in. And 
I don't really talk as much as I do on this show, obviously, but uh, Kyle does most of the talking, and, and Ron and I mostly react to Kyle. And uh, it's an interesting show. You guys should check it out, Football is America. You can find that on iTunes, and uh, they have their own website, footballisamerica.com. It's, uh, it's good stuff. So make sure that you uh, check that out. And without further ado, here's myself and Ron Rugg to preview Bears and Raiders week number four. And since no one from Raider Nation was gracious enough to want to come on to the show, I had to go into the bullpen and call in my good friend Ron Rugg from Football is America to join us once again here on the Chicago Bears Review to talk about the Bears and the Raiders on Sunday. Ron, what's going on? How's it going, Larry? Oh, it's not too bad. Not too bad at all. But as I said, that uh, nobody from the Raider Nation, and I, and I contacted more than a few people to uh, try to come and be on the show uh, my my first strikeout as far as having a guest on the show for this season, uh, and I'm, I've already got uh, you know like Seth Keiser from uh, from the Chiefs gonna come in next week, and then Jerry Reisman for the Lions and so on. But the the stinking Raiders, man, they didn't they don't want to have anything to do with the show, so I'm kind of upset. Would you want to come on and talk about the Raiders if you're a Raiders fan? This year, maybe, yeah. Uh, well, but, I mean, yeah, uh, that's true. You know, this year that yeah, but uh, you know, maybe after last season and you know. Dennis Allen getting fired and, you know, after four losses and, you know, bringing in Del Rio and all that, you know, who knows? But, you know, this year after a two and one start, yeah, I'd want to talk to somebody after after the way that the Raiders have kind of started out. The forecast isn't as gloomy as it has been for the last several years for Oakland. Yeah, they just won their first road game in 11 games and only their second in two years. That's crazy. Yeah, that's... I and the the real crazy thing is that they're the favorite this week on the road right now they're the last time they were a favorite on the road was in september of 2012 when they went to miami and lost 35 13 the last time they were a favorite a favorite at home was against the eagles they lost that game 49 to 49 to 20 and then it has been 27 straight games since the since oakland wasn't an underdog (laughs) i mean think about that for a second if if I'm a Raiders fan, I'd want to be telling everybody about that. Yeah, and I I think the the sadder thing is is us for us as Bear fans that uh, we're we're the underdog at home against the Raiders. So that's that's I mean not not the underdog at home against Green Bay or Arizona, but the underdog at home against the Raiders. I think that's I think that's what you call rock bottom, isn't it? Well, I think a lot of it's indicative of injury. I mean, the Jay Cutler injury is pretty tough. The fact that Jeffrey isn't 100%. I mean, you're playing with Clawson, who threw for 63 yards last week. I mean, the, the plan at this point is just don't turn the ball over and we'll punt how many times we have to do it. I'm, I don't think it will be that bad against the Raiders. I think they will put up much more of a fight. The Raiders' defense isn't nearly as good as the Seahawks' defense or the Arizona defense, for that matter, either. You remember that they put up a pretty good fight against Green Bay until yep. that pick. So it it really just comes down to the fact that the Bears have played probably the toughest stretch of the first three games that they could have played. Really, any team could have played at all. Yes, and, and they definitely have, and that's what we've been talking about since the schedule came out back in April. It's like, is there is there any team in the league looking at their first three games more screwed 
than the Bears are because you could make an argument that Green Bay, Arizona, Seattle are one, two, and three in the NFC right now. With you know, even despite the Seahawks being one and two, being the two-time defending champion does give you some kind of cachet in this conversation. But one Green Bay, two Arizona, three Seattle. You know, and those were the first three games of a brand new coaching regime uh, for the Bears. And you know, when we're where it, it it's it's it was a mess and, and uh you know we forecasted with it's very strong possibility we could go zero and three and then we watched it unfold uh slowly but surely uh you know over the first three weeks of the season and it, I mean, the raiders are good offensively and the bears their weakest point is their defense i mean with Clawson at quarterback we're not very great on offense either but we at least have matt forte who is pretty much the offense every year regardless what i think is the biggest thing to, t- to take away from all of this is that the bears are rebuilding. They're in transition. We talked about that the last time I was on the show, I think, and they're going to be making a lot of changes. There's not a lot that you have to worry about in, in that sense. I, it's going to, it's going to happen. They're going to have a down year. It happens to every team and we'll move on from there. And it, the purge is going to happen don't focus on what the record's going to be. Focus on what we're able to do. Like you said in previous shows, you want to make sure that they're at least giving it all on the field. That's what we're looking for this season. We're not looking for all the wins. We're looking for how when do they check out? Did, ha, they haven't done that yet. So I, I just don't think that there's – this is a completely different team regard, despite all the losses. Yeah, because we – I mean, despite how the game went against Arizona, it wasn't because the team wasn't trying. It's just that we made too many mistakes and we got, you know, we got way under the water. You know, we got, uh, you know, we got way way over our heads in that game against Arizona, 170 yards and penalties and the pass interference uh, calls that gave them the ball inside the five-yard line a couple of times, the kickoff return and, and so on. But we had the fight against Green Bay. We had the fight against Seattle despite the final score. And, you know, if the effort is there, then, you know, once we start to plug in people that, you know, that fit the scheme better, once we find the, the people that fit for us, the talent will come. And the effort and the coaching and everything, that's the hard part. Because you can, I mean, look at, you remember the Eagles in, in 2011? They were supposed to be the dream team, the team that was supposed to kill everybody. And, you know, they had all the talent in the world, and then they finished like 6-10 and 10 and got Andy Reid fired. So, uh, you know, it, it isn't always talent that will win you games more times than not. It's it's effort and coaching that will help the talent reach its potential. Right. And a lot of it is just it's the mix of all of them. It, the Bears, they don't you're talking how they don't have the talent or you don't necessarily need the talent. What I think is that the Bears just they just don't have it yet. They yeah. don't have they don't have that mix of what they need quite yet. The coaching staff is new. A lot of these players are first, second and third year players, or people that are playing as new Bears and the you have you have to consider the fact that this is just a team that isn't going to stack up well against a lot of teams. It's just not. There's there's just too many miss, missing pieces. They're going to fix that. You've seen that with the trades that have come out over the last few last few days. I'm sure that you've talked about them already. The Jared Allen trade and the John Bostic trade, and there's probably going to be a few more before the deadline happens. So be prepared for that. But yep. what what's going to happen is they're trying to stock up draft picks. They're purging themselves of the Angelo. And uh, an mm. Emory era, era, and they're going after what is going to be the Ryan Pace era. Ryan Pace has one of the best eyes when it comes to talent that fits scheme in the NFL. He's going to go compile a whole bunch of draft picks, 
And even though it may seem like he's just getting low-end draft picks, he's going to trade those into better draft picks, and he's going yeah. to find the players that Chicago needs to be better. Do I think that Chicago is a Super Bowl team next year? Probably not. But I think by the third year, they could easily be a contender if all goes right. Did you happen to see, uh, speaking of uh, Phil Emery, did you happen to see uh, Israel Adonijah's tweet about Phil Emery this week? I did not. What did it say? He, he said he's going to start using Phil Emery's name as a verb. Like, you've been, <laughs> you've been Emeryed, and when he put the definition, it was like um, uh, something about, you know, demolishing something that was good kind of thing. It's just, and then I think Adewale Agunli kind of jumped on, you know, kind of uh, piggybacked onto that, and, uh, you know, it's kind of been the running joke this week about how something was, was Emeryed, uh, and, some you know, it was pretty funny that, uh, that Adonijay, um, you know, maybe just a little uh, sour grapes that uh, it was Emery that showed oh, the the door, you know. so Yeah, he's definitely a little bitter. I I find that Emery, he had the right plan in mind. I think he hired the wrong guy. Oh, if, he had, if he had just hired the right coach or maybe kept Lovey Smith until the right coach was available, like just think about if Emery had been able to um, wait out another year and then gotten Fox – and then gotten uh, Ryan, or then gotten um, Adam Gase. I, that, that's that's a completely different story right now. But I don't know. It it's all if then and and what if and all. I I you can't speculate in that in that matter. But Emery definitely destroyed a great defense. If that's what the, exactly what they're talking about. It, but it's all relative, I guess, because now we're still in. I mean, we're in a spot now, or we're transitioning anyway to the defense that I think is the better defense. Anyway, I don't think that the 4-3 cover 2 is effective anymore. I think that moving to a 3-4 is the right thing to do. Yeah, so I mean, traditionally it it kind of stings as a Bear fan to see us doing something other than what we've done since day one, pretty much. But I mean, yeah, 80 years. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, closer to, closer to 95. Yeah, bro. The, the I mean, NFL is 95 years old now. Yeah, I mean, it's they've done the same thing for a really long time, but mm-hmm. I mean... It, to, to be successful, you have to progress. The Packers yeah. saw that. The Patriots saw that. The Seahawks saw that. And so people, that's what they did. They progressed. And pe- people are like, oh, well, we're the Bears and we do things our way and that's how we do them. Yes, you do do things your way. But if you're not going to progress, then you're just shooting yourself in the foot anyway. Yeah. So, you know, I, I did also read something very interesting and we'll finally move on to the Raiders here. Um, somebody wrote an article on, on Reddit about how they think that Ryan Pace got the job because he was honest about what was coming in 2015. That he thought that the Bears were a bad team and that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And because of his presentation, his honesty, his forthrightness with with what his plan would be going into 2015 and, and beyond is what got him the job as opposed to I'm guessing what the other you know GM candidates may have done was to come in and say how they would fix it so that the Bears would win right now. Right, and we all knew. Larry, you knew, I knew, many Bears fans. There's some that are in denial, but a lot of us knew that the team was aging and not great heading into yeah. this season. We'd had two back-to-back years of pretty bad defensive play. We'd had some pretty poor offensive play. Cutler wasn't doing his best job. It, we, There was a lot of transition to happen. Pace probably came in, sat down, and just gave it to him straight, like you said. It, as, if that's what happened, then that's great, because... That means that the ownership is on board with the fact that this might take a few years. So that means that John Fox or the coaching staff in some form is going to stay co- together for a 
period of time that will allow them to at least make sure that they've had enough time to see whether or not the Bears could get there or not. Yeah. If, if if we get to year four and the Bears are still an eight and eight team, obviously that's going to be a problem with fans and with ownership. But I mean, next year, even if we get there and we're still only six and 10 next year, but we're moving in the right direction, much like the Raiders have been doing over the last couple of years, yeah. then we're going to be, I think that the coaching staff will be fine. I think what you had said, I'm not sure if it was on our show. I'm pretty sure it was that the, that you think that John Fox is a placeholder and that Adam Gase might actually be the head coach of the future for the Chicago bears, just because the, the way that he's come in and he's he's not exactly the type of coach that I think the ownership wants to make the team aggressive and move forward. Well, you know, I, I mentioned that to or actually it was it was a question that I kind of asked Jeff Dickerson when I had him on the show was that I asked him, you know, do the Bears have a contingency plan in place if the Bears do well this year? Let's say the Bears do well, you know, to Adam Gase, the the, the quarterback whisperer with Cutler and Adam Gase, who was a hot coaching prospect this year, gets a job next year. Do we have a plan in place so Cutler isn't playing in his seventh brand new offense in seven seasons with the Bears? And I guess in in a, in a way, I was kind of you know asking what you know what's our plan for Adam Gase if God forbid, like did he come to Chicago because he's been told he's kind of the the Jim Caldwell of the situation where he was the coaching in waiting for at least a year or two before Tony Dungy retired and Caldwell took over. Well, I think that would be the the wisest thing the Bears could honestly do at this point. I think yeah. John Fox is a very good coach to come in and and bring cohesiveness to the locker room. He comes in, he binds it all together. He gets he weeds out the guys that don't want to be team players and then you have a team of guys who are ready to go and have each other's backs all the time and give everything they've got on the football field. Then what you do is you transition to Adam Gase as your head coach, a guy who's already been there, a guy a lot of people already respect. Because, because he's been here through the whole process. And now you've built yourself uh, in a way that it kind of reminds me of the Bill Coward and Mike Tomlin mm-hmm. situation where people understand that this guy who is already respected is now going to be in charge of us. And it's really no different than when, what we had before. And the amazing thing with, with John Fox is that he's done that already. You just kind of you just get a very different vibe from this team than you did last year i mean i've said it a thousand times those guys were showing up simply because they were legally required to do so those guys weren't going weren't there for the love of the game you know or at least that's not the impression that you got with john fox it's a totally different vibe we're getting from the team even though we're not getting the results on the scoreboard that we would like to see uh so far all right so let's move on to the raiders which is why we're here in the first place (laughs) and um you know speaking of you know uh franchises in transition ever since al davis passed away may he rest in peace a a guy that was a pioneer uh in the nfl and definitely deserves our respect you know became a character of himself towards the end of his life and the decisions that he made trying to go with the old 80s model of you know any cast off that he could get his hands on he put him in a raider uniform and expected them to to be successful uh and everything they, they've finally done that. They've gotten out of salary cap hell, and they've drafted well the last few years and seem to have built a good foundation to go forward into the future to where the Raiders might be back to where they were when you and I were kids. Well, I really like the way that they've kind of decided that, yes, we're still going to have to have these older aging stars, that mm-hmm. the Raiders are still a team, and this is something we've discussed quite a bit, is that they're a team that players that are coming off their initial contracts and stuff don't want to go there. 
I mean, Randall Cobb had an, had an opportunity to go to the Raiders and make a lot of money, but he decided to take the hometown discount and stay in Green Bay. Why? Because you're not a Raider. You're a Green Bay Packer. Yeah. So the when you look at their team, they go, okay, what can we do? Where where do we need to put the aging stars? And who are the people that we need to completely avoid? And you look at their roster, and defense especially, I mean, Charles Woodson is an ageless wonder at safety. Yeah, and really you have is. Nate Allen, who isn't exactly uh, young anymore either. And then you've got guys like Curtis Lofton and Justin Tuck playing there as well. Those are Those are all guys that were technically cast-offs, but have come to that team and at least contributed it in a pretty positive way, as opposed to the previous model for the Raiders that was bringing anybody that's old and just throw them to the wolves. And that's after you paid them an exorbitant amount of money as well. So, I mean, not only were they bringing in these older guys, but they were paying them. I mean, my, Javon Walker will always be my favorite example. He was, he was washed up. He was done in green Bay and for, you know, and nobody wanted the guy, but Al Davis gave him seven years and $55 million to be a Raider for like 16 games or whatever it was. He did not play for them uh, very long. He was injured half the time. And, you know, that's one of those things that they would do. And it's, yes, they're bringing in the older guys, but they're not giving them the King's ransom that they did before. And in a way, they're, they're uplifting these guys, so they're playing better than they were at the end of their career with their previous teams. Right, because they're not expected to be the guy anymore. That's right. one of the things that I find that Reggie McKenzie has done very, very well. And that is that he went out and he said, okay, we're going to get ourselves a rookie quarterback that is our future. We're going to dedicate, we're going to commit, and this is going to be our guy. And they went out and they got Derek Carr, and that was their guy. And then they drafted Latavius Murray a few years ago. He had to work his way up the depth chart, but he has performed very, very well, but miles ahead of anybody on the depth chart ahead of, behind him. And then they went out and they said, you know what? We've got this guy, Seth Roberts. He's an undrafted free agent. He's a good He's a good." third down or third wide receiver. They've also got Andre Holmes who has performed very well as, as well as an undrafted free agent that has kind of shifted around from, from the league, from team to team. But then Michael Crabtree, that was one that a lot of people gave a lot of grief to the Raiders for going out and get Michael Crabtree, but it's not that bad. Why? Because Amari Cooper is the guy. He's the guy on the other side. He's the number one receiver. Crabtree has played his best football when he's been the number two. There's mm -hmm. just some receivers that, as the number two, they are miles better than they ever were as a number one. That was always my concern with Jeffrey, that I, was, I thought that he might not be able to do it as the number one. So for the Raiders to, to have put together the offense in the way that they have, they've gone after certain guys both on off. You have Khalil Mack as well on the defense. He's kind of the, the guy that they use to kind of centerpiece the defense around, and they supplement they're doing it right. They're getting the rookies, they're getting the young guys, and they're supplementing with the older players rather than trying to build a team out of old players. Yeah, and and and, and good call by, um, I don't know, what is Al Davis' son's name, the guy that's running the team now? Do you know? Uh, just Mr. Davis, I would guess. <laughs> yeah, just, we'll, we'll, we'll just go with that, with Mr. Davis, because well, because after the, the debacle that was Dennis Allen, they fired him four games into the season last year. They started 0-4. They didn't win a game until like week 11 against the the Chiefs on Thursday night football or something like that but you know McKenzie was on his way out the door after last year and for whatever reason they decided to give him another chance and it seems like they made the right call by giving him another off season to go into 2015 to kind of you know keep going on with this particular vision and granted we're only 3 games into the season but they've beaten the Ravens and you know they um you know, they beat uh, the Browns. I mean, granted, nobody's really 
dancing in the streets about a victory over the Browns. But it was a road victory, something they hadn't seen in nearly two years. And, you know, they looked, uh, you know, pretty good in the process, uh, you know, and I think that, that, that it's, a, it's a good thing that they held on to McKenzie instead of letting him go. Well, uh, Mark Davis is the son. I just looked it up. Mark <laughs> and, Davis. Thank and you. Uh, Reggie McKenzie, I think when you're talking about how it was a good idea to, to keep him around, I don't think he was a bad GM. I think the way the coaching situation played out and the way that the players didn't respect the coaching situation was the biggest problem. And I think Reggie McKenzie went to Mark Davis and said, I'm going to fix this by doing this. And he's done that. I don't think he's a bad GM. I think he's actually a really good GM. I think he's going to progress and become probably one of the better ones in the AFC West as it goes out, second to probably only John Elway. And well, I mean, that's that's why I was saying it was a good move that they that they stayed patient and stuck with him because they could have made the mistake of letting him go and uh, you know letting him inherit a different situation because I too I you know didn't think that McKenzie was a bad guy. I even before this off season. I like the things that I was seeing from the Raiders as far as how they were drafting. Instead of going for the big flashy player, they were going for the player that best suited them or the best the player that they needed. Instead of that, you know, you know, drafting uh, Darius Hayward Bay at number seven when he had no business going that high, but because he ran the fastest forty time, that's why we took him. The Raiders aren't doing things like that anymore. Yeah, the joke was always that if you're the fastest player, you're going to the Raiders. Yeah, I mean that was everybody said that. I mean, you've heard analysts say that all the time. P- former players that were out there, and they they said they would go to the combine, and the fastest guy would actually come back and be like, "Was I the fastest?" And they'd be like, and when they would say, "Yeah, you're the fastest," he'd be like, "Damn," because now I'm gonna <laughs> now I'm gonna be drafted to the Raiders. I mean, that's yeah. that was honestly a worry for some people at the combine, and now that's yeah. not the case. For you want best player available for your position of need. That is mm-hmm. what you want. You have yeah. got to go out and get the players that you need. Now, a lot of people don't understand how that works. The Raiders seem to have a pretty good model on what exactly it is they're doing. I think they're going to be a much more dangerous team than most people give them credit for. I think their defense has a lot of work to do. They have rookies. They have a lot of really young guys when it comes to defense. I think the offense is in is in a pretty good upswing at this point. Derek Carr has played pretty well. Latavius Murphy has play, played pretty well. Their offensive line could use some upgrade as well. I mean, they're playing Jamarcus Webb at right guard right now, which I'm, <laughs> all Bears fans know how much we love Jamarcus Webb. Yeah, because I just threw up in my mouth a little. That's how much I like Jamarcus Webb. The guy gave me nightmares. I swear to God I would wake up screaming sometimes, you know, that's your feet, damn it, you know, something like that. <laughs> just You're killing me, you know. <laughs> Stop turning your shoulders, you know, just crazy stuff. Well, like you played that. offensive like, lineman, correct? I did, so that's why I'm just like, how would he make it to the NFL not doing these things? It's making me crazy. Well, so, just his size alone, that was it. And oh. I think he's actually played pretty well at guard, as opposed to pushing him into a tackle spot. He's actually played very decently at guard. I mean, his size, his size-to-speed ratio has made the running game very effective there because he can pull much faster than most guards can because of his size. Yeah. And it, I mean, the, the fact that he can, and the fact that he's going, pulling around and looping and then blocking a, a linebacker or a safety upfield. I mean, that, that nobody stands a chance against a guy who's six, seven, 330 pounds. I mean, it's that, I mean, that's what he's weighing in at right now. That's crazy. Well, that's, that's, uh, I think it's what it goes back to what Kyle Long said about the difference between playing guard and playing tackle is like playing guard is like, uh, you know, fighting in a phone booth. 
basically. I mean, the, you, when you're a tackle, you're out on an island literally by yourself. And so maybe maybe Jamarcus Webb is better in a phone booth than he is in an island because, you know, out there on an island at right tackle or left tackle, he was, you know, high risk, high reward for the most part. And it was mostly high risk every time that he was out there. He got Jake killed on more than one occasion. Oh, uh, plenty. No matter, yeah, no matter what side of the line that he was playing on. So, But speaking of um, – of the offense and Amari Cooper um, talk about a guy who's worked out uh, so far. You know, I, I was really hoping that the, <laughs> because I, that's how badly I wanted Amari Cooper was that the Raiders would go with the sexier pick, which would have been um, Kevin white because of, you know, his hundred and plus catches and his one good year at, at, uh, at West Virginia just kind of set up perfectly for him to be a Raider. And, you know, maybe Amari Cooper would fall to us, but, they, like I said, the Raiders were smarter. They went ahead and took the best player at that position, which at the time is uh, Amari Cooper. Now, granted, the jury's still out on Kevin White. We have no idea what we have in him yet. The coaches loved him before he got hurt in the OTAs. But, you know, seeing Amari Cooper do his thing, I wish he was in a bear uniform doing it. Yeah, no kidding. I, Amari Cooper, that is – I've never seen a rookie make a veteran like Joe Hayden look that silly before yeah. in my life. Yeah, I I, I watched on more than one occasion in that game him put a move on Hayden and Hayden just looked legitimately surprised about what just happened to himself. I, I you he left he has a guy you're going up against probably one of the best corners ever to play the play the game right now. And you put him on the ground with a move that you put on him and then you catch a pass and then you run it in for a touchdown. I mean that's and- and that's that's what scares me more about Amari Cooper is not so much the fact that he catches the ball, but that he's doing stuff after he makes the catch. You've seen more than a more than a couple of highlights since the season started, or even in preseason as well. He can turn an eight yard route into a thirty yard gain, and that's the kind of thing that can you know really kill a defense. Yeah, and he's not necessarily a super huge guy either. I mean, he's he's six one to two eleven, which is a decent size. For, mm-hmm. But for some reason, he's just got that that one something. And I I, I compare him a lot to Jordy Nelson, mm-hmm. which is he's just able to find that spot. He puts just enough of a move on you that, that it's annoying but not detrimental. But it, he can always get you behind you with it. And then he can always find that one spot in the defense that you don't want him to go to. And then when they when Derek Carr throws it to him, he's able to turn that instead of into a, a 10-yard hitch route into a 30-yard run, run in for a touchdown. It's insane. And it like you said, if he was on the Bears, I I would be pretty happy right now. But Yeah, I would have been super stoked if that if it would have fallen to us that way if that if Car- Cooper uh was the uh pick. I, I I that's who I wanted, especially when I started seeing that the the dra- the mock drafts and everything we were somehow landing Amari Cooper in these mock drafts and such. I was kind of hoping that it would fall that way, but the Raiders kind of ruined that dream. Uh, for me so I hope we kill them for that reason and that reason alone uh, on Sunday it's like Amari Cooper could have been a bear but but you know you jackasses had to take him from us so I hope you suffer but um, you know so let's talk about this game you know the the Raiders coming into town we've already talked about how they're favored on the road for the first time since Clinton was president and um, you know the the it's it's the been a while since we've seen the Raiders uh, 2011 we went out there in the first game after Cutler broke his thumb. You remember that? Um, it's been a while. I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, 2011 was when I first started listening to you, Larry, and it was oh. uh, when I was deployed to Kuwait, so I did miss a few. 
So ah, <laughs> I see. yeah, maybe a couple while you're <laughs> while you're out there, you know, TV reception and all. And, I think the one game I saw whatnot. was the Tebow game, and I, I and then I oh. and that was brutal. <laughs> oh God, just yeah. That's when I was fighting the entire Bear Nation about not wanting to throw uh, Marion Barber off a cliff after that game. It's like, guys, it's not his fault that we lost that game. No, not even I mean, close. Granted, you know, he fumbled the ball or he ran out of bounds when he shouldn't have, but we had way more opportunities than that uh, to win the game. So everybody put the guns down. It's okay. Marion Barber gets to live, all right? So, yeah, that was, uh, that was an interesting week for sure after that all happened. But – you know, it's it's an interesting relationship the Bears have uh, with the the Raiders, and it it always seems that it's it's an up and down. With where the Bears are up, the Raiders are down. They've never really met each other when they're both been good or when they've both been bad, and that's actually kind of what we're looking at now. The Raiders are on the upswing, the Bears are on the down swing right now, and this is a this is a game when the schedule came out. We looked at the schedule and we're like, wow, Green Bay, Arizona, Seattle. That's wow, that's probably zero and three for sure. But we got the Raiders, so that should be our first win at least, right? But now you look at it, it's like, oh, Christ, man. When are we going to win a game now that we're looking? Maybe Detroit? Because the Lions are 0-3 right now, but we got to play them in Detroit first in October. So it's just like what was supposed to be one of those first, like, well, that's a win. You can circle that on the schedule. Isn't that done? Isn't a done deal anymore? It's, it's not looking great in terms of what we have coming up. I mean, we play the Raiders – this week and the we're most likely going to be playing Clawson. The Seahawks showed everybody in the NFL last week what to do in that situation. That was just keep Matt Forte wrapped up and you're good to go because Clawson can't get downfield. He did have a couple of good passes downfield, but he just doesn't have the chemistry with anybody. There's a lot of talk recently about actually starting David fails might as well. Right. Might as well. I'm absolutely behind that and there idea. Was, but there was also a lot of talk about the coaches have you know punting ten times, and are they going to do it in this game in the same if they're in the same situation? I don't think they'll be in the same situation, but I, I'm kind of on the I'm on the fence about it. Half of me says, well, just don't turn the ball over. Try to win the game on the ground. If you can't do it, that's okay because at least we went down fighting. And then yeah. the other half of me says, go out there, send out David Fails, let him air it out. If he throws 15, 15 picks, what does it matter? Yeah, you know, but we're supposed to lose the game anyway, right? right? Exactly. I think that that it's tough. We've we've lost the we've lost, we've had a couple of tough losses, especially with twenty six to zero. That's that's a tough pill to swallow, right there. But the Bears aren't giving up, and I think they actually have more of a shot than most people think. The Raiders are fa- are the favorite, but they are also on the road. Winning two road games in a row is a tough thing to do, especially when you have to come all the way across the country twice. Yeah. In the in back to back weeks, the Ravens showed you how that doesn't work very well. Right. So I I think we have a lot more of a shot here than than most think. I I think the defense is going to struggle with Amari Cooper and Derek Carr. I think our defensive line is a lot better than most people think. They can get after it. They can. Yep. They got after Aaron Rodgers, they got after Carson Palmer. They got after they got after Russell Wilson who has a terrible offensive line. I don't think the Raiders offensive line is outstanding by any means i think they have some decent players and i think they run the ball a lot a lot better than what the seahawks did last week but i mean if the if this game is going to be won by the bears it's going to be done because of the defense not because of the offense and that's not something we have always been able to trust in the last few years 
Right, no, not in the last two years, not since Mel Tucker. But, you know, the other thing is, um, you know, maybe Fangio would use Derek Carr's uh, youth against him and dial up some some blitzes and send the house at him a few times to see if he makes the right decision uh, with the uh, with the football. Um, you know, I mean, that's maybe something that we will see on the on the on the defensive side is that, you know, Fangio would try to overwhelm the kid into making a mistake to give the Bears another opportunity uh, with the uh, football. And on the offensive side, the one thing that I've loved more than anything is how we run the football now. Not the fact that we're running it all the time, but the fact that when we run the ball, Matt Forte is actually moving forward as opposed to running dead set into the middle of somebody's back and then trying to make something out of it like we did even when we were winning football games. It's like I don't know what it was or what's so different about what we're doing on the offensive line now that we couldn't do when we actually were a decent football team, but it was always a struggle watching them run the football, and now it's it's a lot easier. We're getting positive yardage almost every single time we run the ball now, and that's just not something that we Bear fans are used to at this point. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the personnel that they went out and got. I, th- I think moving Kyle Long um, – that helped quite a bit. I think bringing in, is it Ducasse? Is that how you say it? It's, it's Ducasse. Ducasse. Okay, so bringing yeah. him in was a big-time help. He's a big guy, and his speci- yeah. specialty is plowing the road for running. And when they mm-hmm. run to the right side with those two guys there, it is it is almost always successful. There is very few times when they run to the right that they don't get a push to for at least a few yards. Now, the left, it, it leaves a little bit more to be desired there, but that's more of the passing side of the – of the offensive line anyway. I I agree with you that Matt Forte has looked a lot better. I think he could be even better if his vision was better. We've discussed that oh, before. He yeah, he has to have nice. a huge window to run through. That's mm-hmm. that's just that's just Forte. It's just yeah. how he's always been. He's going to get you 2000 yards a year because he's going to catch the ball out of the backfield like crazy as well. I think the trade-off there is decent. Where where he lacks in vision, he makes up in the passing game. That's just mm-hmm. what what he is as a player. When it comes to the Raiders defensively, I think I think the main thing for them for the Bears to be able to win is just go after the rookies. You're talking about uh, Vic Fangio dialing up something on defense. I think Adam Gase should dial up some on offense, where he actually uses whoever his quarterback's going to be. Whoever he's going to start, it's it's looking more like it's going to be Clawson. That's fine. Go after TJ Carey. Get after these guys. I mean, these are guys that that are young guys who they. I mean, they're not they're not shields and uh, you know, haha, Clinton Dix and all those guys from the Packers. They're not they're not guys that that have been in the in a system for an extended period of time. These are young guys. Like I know they have DJ Hayden there and stuff. And Charles Woodson always kind of has a thing for the bears for some reason, but <laughs> their, their linebacking core isn't stellar either. They got Malcolm Smith and, but Curtis Lofton's old and Ray Ray Armstrong. He's I I'll be honest. I have seen zero tape on the guy. So if they can hold off Khalil Mack and keep Charles Woodson from keying in on where the pass is going to go, I think they can be a lot more successful in the passing game than what they were last week. I mean, they played the probably the number one defense in the NFL still last week, and then they probably yeah. played the number two defense right be, right before that in the Cardinals. So the panic shouldn't be there. They're going to get much more done on offense this week with having a whole other full week of practice with Clawson, with Adam Gase having put a game plan to, together against a team that has weaknesses in places that the Seahawks just didn't. And like I, like you said, the offensive line has done well. That defensive line is, isn't is great for the Raiders. They're going to be able to move the ball on the ground. And I'm interested to see how much they use Langford as well in this one. 
Yeah, I would really like to see more Jeremy Langford uh, in the game. I know that that Jacquez Rogers is more of our between the tackles guy, so that's you know he used that low center of gravity to kind of fit in those little that little eighteen inches of daylight to try to squeak in on third and one and and things like that. But I really would like to see more of a mixture of uh, of Langford uh, in this game uh, on Sunday because I, I honestly right now believe that Langford with the way that that Pace and Fox are playing these things, Langford's probably going to be our starter next year. With, uh, with, I mean, also with the talk of Forte could be gone by the time we play Detroit week six. You know, that's the trade deadline, or is it week eight now? Uh, we play, we play Detroit in week six. Yep. Yes, we do. But it's like the trade deadline. Is it week six or is it week eight? Oh, the trade deadline is week eight now. Yep. It is week eight. So okay. So by the time we play, well, week eight is our, well, week seven is our bye week. Week eight is when we play the. So if, if people are going to get traded week se- that week seven bye is probably going to be a pretty good indication of when that's going to happen. Yeah, I would say, yeah. and Bears fans need to be aware that if Matt Forte gets traded, that is going to probably make you upset just because it's Matt Forte. And how could you do that to a guy who's gotten us back to back years of 1500 yards or more? That's a tough thing to swallow. But a lot of people have to realize that he's over 30 and he's in a contract year. The Bears mm-hmm. probably aren't going to re-sign him anyway, even if they weren't going to trade him. They were yeah. probably going to have to let him walk anyway because he's going to want more money than the Bears are going to be willing to pay because the Bears are in a rebuilding mode. There's no point in if it's going to take you two more years to get to where you want to go, having a back that's going to be useless, paying a back that's going to be useless in two years. There's, right. I mean, th- th- that's just common sense. So most likely they're going to try and, and offload him for some draft picks. And I think you should be happy about that. Don't be upset by that. Be happy about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, th- I think it's just more of an understanding that people have to have about what it is we're actually doing here, what the purpose of 2015 is going to be going forward. And I think it's obvious after trading Jared Allen, trading away John Bostic, that, you know, the, the focus of 2015 is getting ready for 2016. Exactly. Um, so um, I have a stat for you, you know, though, Larry, if you'd like it. Um, well, hit me with uh, it. Derek Carr, when pressured, when blitzed with five or more defenders, is 36.7% with six interceptions and only one touchdown. So you're talking about Vic Fangio dialing up some some blitz packages. I definitely think we're going to see a lot of that. Yeah, that sounds good to me. That sounds good. <laughs> that uh, you know, Maybe Kyle Fuller can fall back into the good graces of Bear fans by – by taking an errant Ugh. Derek Carr pass berth for a touchdown. He's had a rough couple of or, weeks. <laughs> he, he really has. He has. Not so much last week. Didn't even hear his yeah, name but he once played, last week. Playing Palmer but, and playing Rodgers over, over those first two games, that's tough because oh, they're, they're two yeah. vets that really are probably, t- probably two of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL, honestly, because yeah. Palmer is, is no joke. A lot of people gave him a lot of grief for being injured, and he is injury prone, but when it comes to him, when he's healthy, he is lights out. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely uh, definitely worth of worth the trouble that uh, the, the the Cardinals have had to put up with to keep him on the team. So, uh, especially having to, to endure the second half of last season where they still managed to win a few games without him. But um, so yeah, so coming in on 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 Sunday, it's um, you know I, I, right now I'm I'm picking the Raiders uh, to win the game. But if we're doing like confidence uh, values on top of that, I think I'm only putting like a two or a three on it on the Raiders you know because I think like you said the Bears have a much better shot at at winning the game than most people think and will probably make it a lot more interesting than they have the first three weeks of the season I I'm gonna pick the Bears on this one 
Okay. I want to I want to do it only one because it's probably one of the few games I'm going to be able to do it this year. <laughs> right. Let's be honest. <laughs> There's Yeah, we'll probably have to wait until like San Francisco, Washington to be like, "Yep, Bears are definitely winning this I mean, one." I mean, it could uh, be thing, it, so. let's see, it's going to be 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 maybe 9 more weeks before I can pick the Bears to win. <laughs> so, I'm going to pick the Bears to win here. I might be wrong. It could be horrible. This could be a complete just fallout and that's okay. I'm, but I'm still going to pick them. I'm going to have confidence in the guys. I, I'm probably one of the worst when it comes to picking the bears to win. I'm sure you've seen them in, in my, uh, in our pick em league. That's I'm, I almost never pick with them. And, uh, I don't have a lot of faith, especially over the last couple of years with the Tressman things that happened, but I like the way that the team is going. I think they're at home. I think if the crowd can get into it, if the defense can get after Carr that this one the bears can take home. Do I, I think it'll be close either way whether yeah. win or lose. I think this is going to be a much closer game than most people think. I but I'm I'm going to pick the bears and I'm going to say by 3 points. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. That's uh that's good. Uh we we want to punt less because the, the because we punted so many times last week Pat O'Donnell has a knee injury this week did you know about that well i mean he punted 10 times <laughs> I mean, he punted 10 times i mean he probably game. went to practice and was like Sunday. no way he was like you guys yeah. can get bent <laughs> yeah it's not it's not uh you know on too many occasions that your punter is gonna need a shower after the game <laughs> and he definitely earned a shower after the game last week that's for sure oh he so. ordered a shower and some champagne i mean that guy yeah and absolutely. he has and don't get it wrong o'donnell has some great punts too a lot of people yeah. don't understand the value of having him. He changed field position a couple of times and really well. And granted, the Bears did nothing with it, but <laughs> that he is a great punter considering the fact that nobody really knows who he is. I mean, yeah. you've everybody's always known that the star of the special teams was always Robbie Gold um, yeah. when it came to kicking because he is like autumn. He is automatic. But but Pat O'Donnell, he is he's coming into his own and. In the punting position, a lot of people are like, it's just a punter. Punters can do whatever punters want to do. Well, no. I mean, when it really comes down to it, I mean, he's probably one of the going to be one of the best in the NFL, and he's very, very underrated. Well, that's why we have Pat O'Donnell, because our other punter wasn't doing a good job anymore. We had to get rid of him and bring in, but we had to draft a punter, you know, to bring. That's how badly we needed one. We drafted one. So, you know, that's, that's, why, that's how important the punter is, and, you know, the one that we had before him whose name is escaping me at the moment. I can't believe that. But, uh, you know, he's – that's why Pat O'Donnell's on the team. Wasn't it Podlish? That's why he – Wasn't it Adam Podlish? Was Podlish, thank you. Yes, Adam Podlish. There you go. Uh, you know, the, the punter that we were paying, like, a million dollars a year to be our punter. And it's like, nope, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to bring in a rookie that we can pay a third of that and, and uh, have him do a much better job. So, you know, I, I do commend Pat O'Donnell for, for being the punter that he's been on a bad football team, especially because – when you're punter, when you're a punter on a bad football team, you get a lot of work. Your home team, <laughs> yeah, your home team gets to know you pretty well. It's like, well, he's back out on the field again. So, well, there's also been there. You go. It's also had a lot of reports that he's a great locker room leader and stuff like that, which is funny to me because he's a punter. And you and I both played football, and we both know that that punters normally are the guys that kind of sit on the bench quietly. They they guard the Gatorade, and then when they're like, hey, you walk out on the field, you kick the football, and you go back to sitting by the Gatorade. But apparently, yeah. he's. He's, you know, he gets fired up and stuff. And I, I don't know if he played any other positions, maybe in in high school or college, that maybe that that's why he is. But I, I guess he's he's really well liked by the coaches and by his fellow teammates. So that's real great. I mean, look, that that should be indicative, though. 
that we're bear that we're Bears fans right now and how the season's going that we're spending so much time on a punter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I find from personal experience uh, that the punter is either that guy that just sits by the Gatorade and and you know hands people towels from time to time, or he's the biggest character on the team because he's the punter. Right, Pat McAfee. Because, well, also Mike Cyphers from San Diego. Oh yeah. I went to college with him at Western Illinois. Okay. He is the biggest character you'll ever meet in your life. <laughs> and in you know, in, in college he was uh he was something else. That was uh he was a fun guy, uh for sure. We so. we met Pat McAfee when we went out to the Colts game uh, a couple years ago, Kyle and I did. Awesome. And he is yeah. hands down one of the funniest, coolest people ever. I mean, he follows us on Twitter and we tweet at him all the time and he he tweets back and it's he's a really funny guy. He's uh and he's and he's a workout warrior. That guy is a monster for a punter. He might be small, but he is just a ball of muscle. That's it. The guy kicks the football forever. He could probably be their kicker and their punter if they wanted to. If they wanted him to be, to be honest. Well, he's their kickoff guy, isn't he? Yes, he is. I mean, he, but he could be yeah. their field goal kicker, to be honest. And he could he could hit those things from. I remember when we were watching out there at the pregame, he kicked those things in Lucas Oil from like the eighty yard line through the go, up through the uprights. From the eighty yard. Yeah. <laughs> From like all the way from eighty yards away. I mean, there you go. That's, that's you whatever. That. You can say it however you want. It, when you're kicking, it's the eighty yard line. Um, he's kicking it from the opposite twenty. Are you happy with that? There you, okay, that's better. all right. Yeah, fine. If you're gonna embarrass me with all my with my terminology, <laughs> well, that's like a ninety yard field goal, man. It is. It's forever away. It's crazy yeah. to see. It was crazy to see it. And I mean, people in the stadium were getting all up and cheering and everything every time he'd do it. And then he'd do it and he'd throw a football into the stands to somebody, and then he'd do it again and throw another football. I mean, the guy's great. And if we, if yeah. that's the kind of guy you can get on your special teams, that's what you need. Now, the Bears special teams does need to improve. To not give up Wait, another touchdown, God. in, yeah. in a th- that, for the third game in a row. Let's hope that that happens. Yeah. But that's be a nice streak to see go away. Yeah, but maybe he can maybe he can help hammer that out a little bit if he's such a great leader in the locker room. Maybe he can get some of these guys to say, you know, hey, tackle somebody because that would be great too. That would be great. Yeah, just so that I don't have to do quite so much work in shifting field position when I, when we go back out there. So, all right, Ron, thanks so much uh, for. Uh, for coming out of the bullpen to save me uh, from the Raider Nation and then letting me have another guest on the show uh, this week. Why don't you go ahead and plug the show f- for us? Oh, yeah. You can always join us. Uh, Football is America. It's on iTunes, on Stitcher, just about anywhere you can find it. You can also go to our website, footballsamerica.com. We are there as well. You can check out our show. It's a little bit different than Larry's, but it's always fun. And Larry's on our show once a week. He's great, and we love having you on, Larry. We'll see if 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 you Bear fans needed an incentive to go and listen to the show. Now you know you have it. I am on the show occasionally and go on there. So listen to the show if you just want to listen to me and listen to the other two guys blabble. And he really is the voice me. of reason. I mean, <laughs> Larry is definitely our voice of reason. If you, this is a much different side of 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 me and and more importantly Kyle. But Kyle, that's because Kyle's not here and we do that on purpose. I mean, <laughs> right? Yes. So. One one of these days, Kyle's going to be on the show because I'm tired of him bitching about that I haven't had him on the show yet. And one of these days, I'm going to have him on. Maybe he'll be my 49ers guy because, like I said, I've gotten I've had contact and gotten confirmation from everybody on the schedule except for the Raiders and the 49ers. So if hopefully I can get somebody from the 49ers by December when we finally play them. But if not, maybe Kyle will be on the show to be the 49ers guy. Yeah, he. Uh, so. I I don't know. He's. I think he would like to come on as your Broncos person, but he knows Lori will be on for that, and she's always oh, game. Lori's, she's always game to talk yeah. for hours. But <laughs> Lori's definitely coming on for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Well, go ahead. No, that's that's all I've got. Thank you, Larry, for letting me have be on again. It was it was awesome. No problem. 
Ron Rugg from Football is America helping us out talking Bears and Raiders week number four. Once again, want to thank Ron for being on the show and helping out to uh, to fill the void that is the Raider Nation uh, in this show. It was a great talk with uh, with Ron that we had, and uh, he'll probably be back some point uh, uh, during the season uh, for probably for no reason at all. We'll just have him on. Why the hell not? You know, and um, you know, look forward to next week when we have Seth Keezer from Arrowhead Pride. That is the name of the of the. Uh, the blog for the SB Nation page for the Kansas City Chiefs. He will be on the show next week. Uh, we're trying to firm up plans on when exactly we will be filming, filming, recording our episode, our interview uh, for next week. And uh, we already have commitments from Jeremy Reisman and uh, Chris Gates uh, from uh, from the Daily Norseman for the Vikings and the Lions, respectively, uh, to be on the show as our two upcoming opponents and. In the middle there, we have our week seven bye, and we are going to try to get our good friend Jeff Dickerson back on the show to kind of do a midseason report on the Bears after six games in what has been a not-so-great 2015 uh, so far. So we'll see. Those are the plans ahead for the Chicago Bears review. And don't forget, we're going to have Lori Lattimore-Volkman back on the show uh, to talk about the Broncos, try to firm up something for that Thanksgiving game uh, with Evan Western for the Green Bay Packers. And Mike Carrar, uh, Sander Phillips will all be back. And then, of course, we'll get a second round with Chris Gates and Jeremy Reisman to close out the season. So plenty of guests coming on the show. And we also got Joe McAtee uh, from the uh, Turf Show Times a.k.a. the Rams uh, page on SB Nation. Spoke with him earlier uh, this year, earlier in the, in the season, to kind of put it out there. We'd like to have him on the show and got a soft commitment from him that he would be interested in doing so as well. So like I said when we were talking to Ron, the only teams that I haven't gotten commitments from were those Bay Area, Bay Area teams, the Raiders and the uh, 49ers. I got this till December to figure out something with the Niners, but I pretty much got everyone else uh, locked up one way or, or the other. So... Big plans ahead uh, for the show. Looking forward to doing this again during the off season. You know, trying to see you know who it is the Bears are going to be playing and and who we're going to have on the show. It's going to be the AFC South and the NFC East. So looking forward to that batch of uh, of uh, of people that we're going to try to get onto the show and who our same place opponents are going to be next year. Most likely fourth place teams. So maybe we'll have Mike Carrar for the Redskins back on again and uh, see how it works out. Uh, in the uh, NFC South or the the NFC West and who those teams uh, are going to be. So that is going to do it for the Week 4 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review, really hoping that the Bears can can show up the way that they have the first three weeks, uh, avoid the mistakes that that cost them dearly in that uh, Arizona game because otherwise it was a fairly competitive game. Uh, just until those, you know, they, the Bears kept killing themselves with penalties. The Cutler pick six, that did not, obviously that did not help. But it was a close ball game until that happened. So, um, you know, and hopefully the defense can show up and perform the way they did against Seattle. If they do, I really like our chances against the Raiders on Sunday. But as you heard me say when I was talking to Ron, right now I just got to pick. I got to pick against the Bears. I do, especially with, with Clawson starting at quarterback. All due respect to Jimmy, I just don't think we have much on offense with him at the helm right now. So 
We'll see how it all turns out on Sunday. Obviously, I'm rooting for the Bears to come away with the victory. Just not uh, thinking that it's going to happen for us. So uh, either way, we'll be back on Monday with the Week 4 Review episode, Knee Jerk Reactions, Bear Up, Bear Down, and more. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.